It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely in Topic. It's been another week without hockey, but that's okay. We're still here to talk about other things still related to hockey. I'm, of course, VA. I'm here with Jeff. Hello, hello. And Tim. Hello there. And uh, I didn't say this last week or the week before, but I hope that all of the listeners and their families and friends and stuff are safe in this time of social distancing and hope that everything's going well with you. I know that for us, we've been having chats with friends like uh, or a Saturday night social distancing party on Skype or Zoom or something. So that's fun. Uh, and I really recommend that if you have friends and people that you want to do that with, you go ahead and, and do that because it's good for everyone. That was just my little PSA today. Guys, I know you're both so excited to talk about this. We have a very important thing that we have to talk about right now. And it's called Tuca's Farts. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> according to Xander Chara, who was this week asked, which, which of your teammates would you least like to be quarantined with? Apparently, without hesitation, he said Tuca Rask because his farts are really, because his farts are really stinky. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, it's hard to argue with that logic if it in- indeed the case. So now, Zidane Chara said he loves his chicken wings, and he, he, he and he farts a lot, and and they're pretty bad. Now, David Pasternak said he is the guy I would like to be quarantined with because we both love chicken wings, and yes, his farts are really smelly, but that's okay. He only goes into his crease like once per practice that's enough (laughs) oh boy that's such a pasta answer (laughs) (laughs) yeah there was part of the answer that i just i i listened to it many times and i just didn't know what he was trying to say and that's okay i'm sure it was fine (laughs) but it was just so funny that it's like Chara's like, yeah, no way, I'm not doing this. I mean, Chara did say the two people he would like to be quarantined with would be Charlie Coyle and Kevin Miller, which I that was a interesting combination. I I, I thought that Zidane Chara might want to be quarantined with people who are a little more interesting. He didn't say Charlie. I was expecting him to say Charlie, but he didn't. And he said, just about anybody, but these two guys, we have great conversations. And I'm just sitting there thinking, I mean, maybe they're a lot more interesting than they let on. They're just, you know, a little too focused on being hockey bot the rest of the time, but it's all a facade. Yeah, that could very well be true. I'm glad that you you did say that because I've been racking my brains with it because it's like these two guys. I mean, it was only during this like stay at home thing that we learned that Charlie Coyle at 28 had never used an oven before. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> and his girlfriend very thoughtfully videotaped that, or taped that, and put that on Instagram. <laughs> and his response was, wow, it's really hot in there. 
well, <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> it can definitely get hot in there. Jeff, what do you think about this? Uh, I have concerns. <laughs> <laughs> So that means when he lived with Jason Zucker, either Zucker did all of the cooking or they did nothing but stovetop and takeout. <laughs> I, mean, there's things I don't know how you can be a, a pro athlete and, and not know how to cook and well. Because like, yeah. because like, I mean, like, like so much of it's about, about, about your, your, about, you know, diet and so forth. Right. Yeah. I mean, maybe they have a great facility out with the wilds that he uh, just ate there to. all the time. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, the Bruins players don't obviously have to do this because they actually eat breakfast and lunch at Warrior. I mean, a lot of players tend to get like pasta for takeout on game nights, you know, for lunch because they need the, the carbo load there. But I, I don't know. I, it just seems so alien to me that someone would never have used an oven even just to heat up things and trust me he was just heating up like what looked like a tv dinner honestly just like <laughs> i'm picturing him microwaving absolutely everything that could very well be true okay yeah maybe he's just cooked lots of things in toaster ovens that he's you know <laughs> maybe that's true too toaster ovens toaster ovens can be pretty versatile at times yeah, so, okay, so obviously Zidane Chara is not talking to these guys about cooking. <laughs> no. Um, but, you know, Kevin Miller is very, I guess, I I just, I, I think I'm being a little judgmental on this. I, I think that I would not have the greatest conversations with Kevin Miller because he tends to be very religious, which I am not. He likes to hunt, which is not something I do. He seems very military, um, interested in military stuff, which maybe it depends on it. Remember, we, we, I thought we, we, we've resolved to avoid talking about players' politics, and that feels like that's where this, where, where this is heading right now. Just cause, because talking about players' politics invariably just, it's just is just depressing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of skirting around that issue, and I don't want to think that he and Chara... I don't think... I'll be honest with you. I, don't, I just don't think that Chara really talks about politics. So I don't want to talk about politics at all either, because it's depressing. And I don't want to talk about players' politics, because I don't... I just, I just don't. You're right. You're right. So... I just feel like it's really odd couple of guys that he would talk to because Zidane Chara seems so interesting, but maybe there are just limits. I don't want to think about Zidane Chara having limits, man. Anyway, all this told us something very important too. Um, of course, some months ago, there was that article, there was an article on the, in, I think it was in the athletic or was it the, um, uh, or was it Boston sports journal? It was Boston sports journal. Connor Ryan gives us all the important information, man. Yeah, about this was what player who who players sit with on the plane uh, on the plane, and one of the big take homes for us here, of course, was that Brandon Carla doesn't fuck around with farts. No, but all he said, but but all he said was that oh, some guys are really stinky. It wasn't more specific than that. Didn't even didn't even say farts, but that's what we figured out because these guys are taking showers before they get on the fucking plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're hockey players, so like I feel like Bo, they're probably all immune to it because. 
Have you ever smelled hockey gear? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. If you haven't, <laughs> go down to the Foxborough Sports League in the summer. Or your local oh. sports rink in the summer. Oh, God. It, it, is, it is really awful. <laughs> it's not great. Oh, that's no, for sure. No, it's not. <laughs> So anyway, that tell, tells us is that it was some. It's it's Brandon Carlo does not sit with Tuka Rask on the plane because Tuka Rask farts and Carlo doesn't do farts. But he's also such a good, nice boy that he wouldn't out, that, uh, that he wouldn't out his teammate for being stinky. Right, right. Side note: I I saw a bunch of stuff that Carlo did, the Tri City Americans, like the goofy stuff that kids do for you know for the Instagrams and all that stuff. For the Instagrams and the social medias, he's a goofball. He is not afraid to make an ass out of himself. So just wanted to share that with you. If you, you can find that stuff on tw- Tumblr. It's very fun. Yeah, actually, Chara said that he sits behind Tuka on the bus, you know, on the road and stuff. Uh, Tuka is very stinky. <laughs> <laughs> defenseman too and having to be in the crease or around the crease and like in that general area of the rink where Tuka farts because apparently it's very powerful. Do you remember when, when P.K. Subban was still with the Habs there was this big thing about how he he, he said he'd like to drink a lot of black coffee on game days so he'd fart a lot at, 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 when he was screening the goalie. So I want to know is like did did, did Rask and Subban have like, like fart offs? <laughs> like, who, could, who could drive the other one away for away from the net more effectively? <laughs> and also, my my other concern about in, in Subban's case of doing things to deliberately make yourself fart, there was a non-zero risk of him causing himself to shit himself during games either. Yep, I think it's just, yeah, it's gamesmanship, man. That's what it is. It's gamesmanship. <laughs> that, that that is commitment to your craft. You're just like, well, if I gotta shit myself, I gotta shit myself. Oh wait a minute, I would say it's actually gamesmanship. Gamesmanship. <laughs> so it turns out when they say some player has a high compete level they're just willing to they're just willing to shit their pants if it involves farting in someone else's face <laughs> <laughs> oh man we are so devoted to <laughs> see here's the thing there's been a lot of talk currently with everything going on about flattening the curve well this is flatulencing the curve (laughs) (laughs) all right so um so that was a a fun little tidbit from this week uh many stories were written about that like (gasps) because you know what the nhl has been doing they've been setting up zoom calls for the press for availability with certain players so that was four players from the atlantic it was it was John Tavares, Pajama Boy, Brady Kachuk. Yes, Brady Kachuk. I like Brady Kachuk. I don't like Matthew Kachuk. Zidane Otara, and who was the other one? Oh, Dylan Larkin. So basically, other reporters had described the rest of the call as everybody saying they didn't really like to be cross-checked by Chara, and everybody chased Dylan Larkin around the rink. <laughs> Yeah, so that was perhaps the most important part of this week, hockey-wise. If you've been watching on Nesson, you've seen 
the Habs and then the Flyers get defeated in 2011. So that's cool. So, uh, oh, one other thing this week, of course, there was uh, the Athletic did a rankings of their the best home broadcast. Oh, Boston was ranked worst, which to my only comments, like, who the fuck cares? The home broadcasts are exclusively for the team's fans. Mm-hmm. Why does anyone care about how shitty or good someone some team's home broadcast is? Like, this is one thing I don't understand why people rant about Jack Edwards is like. But why? Why do we care? He's not for uh, you. People, people from other families, like, he's not for you. You have to go out of your way to fucking li- to listen to his broadcast, assholes. Yeah, you really do, because it's not even the default on NHL TV, so... Uh, I, the only thing I'll say to that is there are a group of Bruins fans that hate Jack Edwards. They just hate how over-the-top he is and stuff like that. I think they just hate fun. Don't get me wrong, Jack gets tedious at times, and he was having a rough year on his calls this year. It was not good. This was not one of his better seasons. Yeah, um. <laughs> I mean, when I'm sitting there going, like, I, I'm having a hard time with Jack at times. I'm usually pretty patient, you know, and it's like, yeah, he's been not quite himself this year. There were moments where I just was like, just shut up. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I like Jack. Keith Bruins still did a mistake by, you know, sticking with Jack and not, you know, finding a way to lock down Gosher before he went to to Vegas. I, yeah, I love, I love Gosher's calls because they aren't, they are, uh, you know, Jack inserts some stuff in there that it's the stuff that people either really like or they really hate. But uh, Gosher's calls are pretty straight up and he's just really fun to listen to. Especially when he was doing stuff with Tucker and Rich where he was calling the volleyball game from Top Gun. <laughs> because he was a he's a he's a fun announcer to work with, you know what I mean? No, no, get me wrong, there's other areas Boston could improve their broadcast. I don't I got nothing against Dale Arnold, he's just blah. <laughs> he's like everybody's dad. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. When you un, when he's unchained, like, you know, during his brief live podcast with with Ty, for example, he was great. I think Gosher would have been a would have been a fun change. Uh, I like his radio calls. I'm not sure how Gosher would have worked with Brick. I think Brick mellows out Jack a little bit. I've come to really enjoy Brick on the broadcast, and in fact, Brick yeah. does a lot of the copy that they have them read, which I think is very interesting. You know, because you would think that the professional announcer guy would do the copy, but it's always oh, Brick yeah, who's doing it. The ad copy is always Brick, yeah. So maybe it's just one of those things where it's like Brick balances out Jack and that works out well. Like uh, Gosher, it was Gosher and Beers, right? And Beers is, I, I find that there are times this year where I've just wanted to turn off the audio because I, I just, I the more that Jack brings up something like, oh, the Bruins haven't done blah, 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 since blah, blah, blah. I'm like, shut up, Jack, because you know that something bad's going to happen. But, but anyway, at the end of the day, I don't even understand the purpose of, of of these kinds of rankings, apart from just like finding shit for your staff writers to do. Uh, well, that's exactly what it is. But it's also like, you know, it's something where it's like, Toronto can go, nah, 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 nah. we have the best. They don't have a. Here's the deal. Toronto doesn't have a home broadcast because their home broadcast is Sportsnet Canada. Oh God. Okay. Incidentally, like no, the worst broadcast in general is Canadian broad Canadian national broadcast covering any Canadian team. Okay. Like it is so fucking bad. 
Like, you know, I, I, I openly hate Doc Emmerich. I really do. Everyone else seems to love him, and I don't get it. I don't get it at all. But <laughs> I know not. I know not. Present company, obviously excluded. <laughs> I, Doc bothers me because it's like he's talking like this. Nah, 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 well, nah. well, that's just it. There, there, there's a certain enthusiasm in the hockey world for people that talk like they're on 1930s radio, and I don't understand why. I, it's also why that guy that makes the play-by-play in Buffalo is so loved, and I don't get that either. <laughs> I don't really like Eddie Olchick. You know what? I'll take Doc with anybody else almost. I just don't like him with Eddie Olchek. But like, if we're picking someone who r- routinely does play-by-play for NBC, I'll take Forslund or Gocher every day of the week over Doc, obviously. And like, because For- Forslund's great because it's animated, but it isn't like it doesn't have that campy tinniness to his voice. He's efficient. Doesn't miss stuff. Doesn't make stuff up as he goes. Like. Or rather, start talking with no plan for the end of the sentence, which happens to Jack entirely too often. <laughs> I'm glad that, that at least the NBC crew got Pierre and put him on the second one instead of the first crew, because I, I've, I've had more than enough of Pierre. I've had enough of Pierre since the first time I saw Pierre. I was done. Well, there's the thing about it. Literally, no one likes Pierre, so I don't understand why he kept having work like like he used to do, do do that same job for tsn right before he joined nbc no one in canada has ever missed pierre mcguire the thing is like i really hate his ability to take a really useless fact and stuff it into what he's trying to say about somebody down on the ice i'm glad that they switched up to uh, brian boucher because i still think that that between the glass or between the you know, behind the glass thing is like kind of useless because it's just like, it's just another person to hire to say stuff. I I think there's ways that the, that the, the rinkside reporter can be used better. Probably. Yeah. Than they, than they are like, I like the idea. It's just, no one seems to have really managed to stick the landing yet. Right. Right. Speaking of ringside reporters, there's one nice thing about the rebroadcasts of uh, the 2011 series. While I haven't been able to watch it because that isn't happening on NHL TV, um, you know, people getting to see Naoko um, do do Bruins reporting again. Yep, we're all (laughs) like, oh, Naoko, come on. We love her. Why don't you bring her back? She's apparently doing something with NBC Sports Boston from time to time, or I don't know what she's doing, but... Because she's she bounced around through other sports in Boston for a bit too, right? I think she did some revs work for a while and a little bit with the socks. Yeah, so it's just like I don't know. I just want to see her more because I miss her. You know, Naoko, if you're out there, we miss you. Yeah, I think this whole announcer thing, this whole like whose home announcers are better and stuff like that, home broadcasts are better. Um, it's weird that it's dipping into hockey because this is an extremely baseball thing of them to do. Oh. Baseball is big with like whose announcers are better, whose home announcers are better and things of that nature. So it was, we, it's weird to see hockey do that because I see it in baseball a lot. Cause I mean, baseball used to, the Dodgers, I don't know if he still does, but for the longest time had Vin Scully. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals had Jack Buck, who's Joe Buck's dad um, for the longest time. He's in the hall of fame as an announcer. Everyone, every Red Sox fan loved Don Orsillo, who's now doing Padres games, and they love him out there. Being like announcers have always been one of those things in baseball that kind of add to it because 
as a lot of people think, baseball, there's not a lot of going on in baseball all the time. You have a time between pitches and things like that. So the one thing to kind of spice it up is the announcing. And so this is an extremely baseball thing of them to do. Mm. That's interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. I can't stand Joe Buck. <laughs> I, just... I can't either. I've I've listened to old calls of his uh, father with the Cardinals, and they were amazing. His dad was so good. Um, just the way he described the game and everything going on, his dad was phenomenal. And I just can't stand him. My main problem with Joe Buck is that I, I don't watch him for baseball, obviously, but I, I watch football and he always seems like a little bit salty and pouty about the fact that he's not covering the Dallas Cowboys every week. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for the most part, he they will try to get him to cover every Cowboys game. But if, if it's not in the cards, for whatever reason, he gets sad about it. And it's like, dude, Troy Aikman does not give a shit. And he played for the Cowboys. So... Really, I, it's like there is a different tone in his voice when he's calling other games that aren't the Cowboys. Y you just can't be like that, dude. Just stop. Yeah. So it's become a joke in our house. Like, oh, no, Joe Book is not covering the, the Cowboys today. Oh, he's going to cry. And don't get me wrong. Crying's fine. Joe Buck probably doesn't want to be associated with crying. <laughs> yeah. Every Saturday... Fox would have their Fox game of the week for baseball. And he used to do the games with Tim McCarver. And whenever the Red Sox were on, when it was Buck and McCarver, oh my gosh, it was the worst because they both just didn't like Boston at all. McCarver played for the Cardinals back in the day and was playing for the Cardinals in 67, I believe it was, when they beat the Red Sox in the World Series. So... He had some kind of uh, old uh, spats with them that he just, they just neither of them liked Boston. Um, like McCarver, McCarver played and Buck's dad did the games for the Cardinals. So like, I don't know, just old, old spats, old feuds. And you could tell that they just like audibly hated any time Boston did anything remotely well. Yeah, you can't have that. You got to be impartial if you're doing national broadcasts. So that's that's my problem with with Buck. He just isn't impartial. Yeah. So what we've concluded is, who cares about this? <laughs> well, anyway, it just comes up with some regularity, and it just I just like the fuck. Why? Right. It's just territorial pissing. That's what it is. Yep. You can think all the shitty things you want to think about Boston, Boston sports, Boston media, whatever. I don't give a shit. I'm going to keep going on. That's a very Boston mentality. <laughs> Our answer to you is fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of a Boston thing to do when the when the uh i saw a picture because you know how the patriots sent their plane um to go pick up a bunch of masks and stuff like that yeah uh for this whole thing going on i said i saw this picture and there was a picture of the plane loading supplies and it said boston fine we'll do this ourselves because <laughs> <laughs> we're just like whatever we'll just do this ourselves then if no one else is going to do anything all right 
I'm glad you brought that up, Tim, because that does bring up a, a little bit of a mea culpa from last week. Jeff said I did not have to do this, but I feel like I need to do this. It's the crafts. They don't require apologies. Well, I I shit on the crafts last week. I did talk about how I, w- I have problems with them. And then they went and did this good thing. They did this on their own. They went to China. I mean, they needed to get their, uh, their, their plane equipped and get the right charters and stuff like that for that. But they went to China. They spent their money. They bought the masks. They brought them back to Boston. And then they brought like... I think it was 300,000 pieces of uh, PPE, probably the masks, down to New York, where they are also direly needed. And uh, they got an escort from the Massachusetts state troopers, the Rhode Island state troopers, the Connecticut state troopers, and the New York state troopers uh, to bring that down, which is fantastic because... You know, I'll be honest with you. It's like uh, it does bring me some pride as a uh, as a Patriots fan to see the owner step up in that way. And I, apparently, it was Jonathan Kraft who orchestrated this, which I have never had a huge opinion on Jonathan Kraft, but I think I I feel better about him. Uh, he's always been a little bit of a dink, so uh, here I am going and saying bad things again. But you know, look, he. They did a good thing, and I think they should be recognized for that because they didn't need to, but I think it's a good thing they did. So there we go. You know how it is. We shit on someone, and then they go and do something good. So good. Who do we want to shit on this week? Who, who do we want to make do something good? <laughs> I mean, like anyone else. <laughs> like I mean, we could you know do some more shitting on the Jacobses, but like they're they're unshittable. Because they just don't give a fuck. Well, there is an article in the Boston Globe that I have not read yet, so I don't know what it says. But it, it I is didn't supposed. Read it, but I heard, I saw a lot of people retweeting it, and making fun of the entire thing. Basically, it's it's a pretty fucking shitty and flimsy defend self defense. I figured it was. <laughs> I figured it was. But I just wanted to say there was an article in the Globe. Anybody can go read it if they haven't already about that. So. I think there's no excuse for what they're doing. Yes, they have no revenue streams coming in or very few coming in. That's true. But they're a company that posts like $500 million or more in profits every year. The Jacobses are worth, they're worth $3 billion. So you should just be able to do right by your employees right now. That's all. You know, we're not even asking you to go above what their their normal salaries would be. But do it. That's what you're supposed to do. So, yeah, I'm still, I feel better after talking about it last week, but I, I still don't feel great. And I've been trying to think about how I feel about the hockey season proceeding at this point. I don't want it to be called, but I just, I'm not seeing any realistic ability for them to play even in may at this point was it yesterday or the day before they had that giant conference call with all the um league commissioners of all the major leagues with the president and the main thing was trying to get these leagues up and running because that's the thing that apparently is thought that will jumpstart everything and jumpstart the economy and things of that nature. I just don't see it being 
a logical thing that you can do, even even if you decide to do empty arenas. Yeah, cool, sports is back, but how can you guarantee that everyone is going to be like safe unless you just like quarantine these teams in arenas for like 14 days? Like you can't do that. Well, well also here's the thing. They're not going to make any money if they play in empty arenas. So that's like the worst case scenario. They they would rather cancel the season than do that. At least from what I found, all the TV revenue that they get is not on a game by game basis. It's a year by year basis. So they wouldn't be gaining any TV revenue by playing games without with empty arenas. As far as I've seen, we're we're going to get into that a little bit more a little bit later because that will be our question of the week but thank you for giving us a little preview tim yep yeah so so basically i'm i'm just sitting here um, as a fan i would not go to a game right now if they played it i'd be afraid to i'd be afraid to catch something right right i'm i'm going to a grocery store once a week and uh, by the way if you go to the grocery store and you get toilet paper you are winning and I go out for walks where I keep a very safe distance between myself and others, you know, and I'm going to be making masks this week. So basically, I am I am being a good patriotic American, as I'm sure that Jeff is being a good patriotic Canadian American. And as other people are doing, we're, we're staying at home, we're doing the thing we're supposed to be doing to stop the spread. I would not go to a game. I I wouldn't go to a game in May. I probably wouldn't go to a game in June. I I have put it off like I would not go to a game at all for the rest of the season, and especially because of the Jacobs, but even more especially because of the virus, <laughs> as Glenn calls it, the Rona. Because of the Rona. Because of the Rona. And not not to mention, too, that like things like hand sanitizer are not readily available right now. So if you don't have any, like, good luck getting some. I have some. I haven't even broken into the one that my husband pilfered from work. I have about a quarter of a bottle left. Oh my god, Tim. Well, Tim, if it, if things get dire, if I find some, I'll send them to you. I appreciate that. I've been looking everywhere. And most places, which doesn't really necessarily make sense to me, they'll be like, oh, it's you can't buy it online. It's in-store only. And I'm just like, I thought we were trying to prevent people from going out. Why is this in-store only? It's easier to – I mean, maybe their arguments is easier to control how much people buy in-store, but that's not true at all because you can just, like, you know, have the thing decline. It's like, nope, you may not buy that much. But I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, yeah. I I really hate that we have to make these conditions for people who don't know any better. Last week, I scored two packs of toilet paper, you know, two four packs of toilet paper, and I felt like I won, right? <laughs> and, it, yeah. it, and it was one of those things where I wasn't even going to bother to try to get a third one, even though I could have. I didn't, because I'm not an inconsiderate jerk. So... We put that on my resume. I'm not an inconsiderate jerk. There you go. As far as like 
isolation, social distancing, and all that stuff, this is a great time to be alive because we have so many technological advances that make it a little bit better. For instance, I don't know if you know this, people, Planet Fitness, along with probably other things on YouTube, has daily workouts that seem deceptively simple but will kick your ass. There's that. You can do that. Julian Edelman did one for Planet Fitness. Or you can be completely psychotic and go over to Andrew Ferenc's Instagram and watch him work out with an axe handle. Interesting. A, a lot of places are doing stuff. Like, even churches are doing church online. Yeah. Well, I think, you know what? I got to tell you, that's good. I think that's good. This whole notion of like, let's pack the churches because blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. Do church services online. Stay safe. You know, yeah, exactly. I don't think that God really cares if you're in a church or if you're at home practicing. I, I don't think he cares. Okay. Maybe those will just, you know, cause all these people to figure out that they can talk to God themselves. They don't need someone to do it for them. See, this is what members of the tribe have always known. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I think there's value in rituals and routine. I think those things are, are really good things to, to have for some people. And then other people, you know, it's like, eh, we go more for the social thing. And I think the social thing can be, you know, it, you can be lacking that right now. Uh, so that sucks. But I think that it's more important for everybody to be safe at this point. Yep. And you have to find other ways to be social. So I've got two calls a week now set up with people. I'm going to try to do some other things. I'm thinking about even doing some letter writing because why not? That's kind of fun. And I found a whole bunch of stationery. So, so no new signings for us this week. We learned about Sean Crowley's dog this week on Bruins positivity. Right. His, uh, his dog that uh, is uncoachable. <laughs> he can't catch, can't catch anything. Can't catch toys, can't catch treats, and and that's fine. He's a cute dog. He is designed as a dog, because I did look up Bernadoodles. Like, he's designed just to be a best friend. That's it. He's kind of curly like a poodle, and he's, like, got some interesting color, coloring, because uh, Bernadoodles don't always follow the, the Bernie's uh, mountain dog coloring. Some of it does, some of it doesn't. So, cute dog. Just wanted to talk about that dog because I'm fascinated by him. I've never heard of a Bernadoodle until I saw that dog. Yep. Oh, wow. We are just trying to scrape for stories here. <laughs> I, I, I do want to ask you each a question right now. I was thinking about this last night. What do you miss right now about the hockey season? Like, is there is there a player that you're missing? Is there like... Like something that you wish would I'm, happen. I'm just like like viscerally angry. I didn't get to see Pasta hit fifty. Oh yeah, totally understandable. Because he could have totally done it. He would have been the first Bruin to hit fifty since like Cam. Yep, that's a long time ago. Did you really think when he got drafted that he was gonna be this guy? No, no, I don't. I I, sus I suspect no one except the Bruin scouting staff thought that and even they probably were like eh, we'll see <laughs> i yeah i definitely miss that i miss uh, i miss pasta and, and the fun that he uh creates on the ice how no nonchalantly he does this 
because I was watching, there was like, they had the, on the, the Twitter account of the Bruins, they do have these daily, like, whose goal was better kind of things. So they had one that was Krejci against Pasta. And it was like the Krejci goal, all of the work on the goal was, was uh, Pasta. It was the dangle through the legs. And, you know, he got it down to a point where he shot it over to Krejci, who had an open net to shoot it into, or open side of the net to shoot it into. And then the other one was just Pasta gets the puck on off the face off and just slams it in. Uh, I, he just does it so it, it looks almost effortless. And that's what I miss about uh, Pasta. Yeah, I just miss I miss sports in general, obviously, because sports are my wheelhouse. We'll just I, I love sports in general. I love them all. I miss watching sports that I don't know. The outcome to already the joy that you get of victory, you know, the despair of defeat and all the anxiety in between. I just miss it all. Tim, I would argue that you have despair, like, instead of anxiety <laughs> through all of it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I just love everything that sports are about. I just, I, I enjoy them so much. And like as for many people it's like a it's a it's one of those things that it's it's an escape from what's going on in the real world and we don't have that escape right now right so it's tough it's really tough it's i don't know i i miss everything about sports i really do well you know i got to tell you you had a really hot tip on that marble racing thing told you you said something about it. I was like, ah, how can that be interesting? But I saw like a 500 meter or something like that marble race where it's like they carved, you know, these paths and stuff. I, I thought it was just straight on, but it's like, it was like, it was all sorts of turns. They had like these bypasses and all these things. And it's like, you know, some of the marbles got caught up in the bypass and the late, the lead changed several times. I was like, whoa, this is, this is fun. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's addicting. I mean, oh yeah. It's like the aqua marble. I was just sitting there. I'm like, oh my God, the aqua marble was leading through much of the race and then it lost its lead. And then I was rooting for the aqua marble to get the lead back, which it did. And it finally won. And I was like, wow. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You find yourself rooting for a marble. You're just like, that marble is the best damn marble of them all. And it's going to marble with the best of them. And like, that's really like, uh, I like the obscurity of it is great. And I mean, I couldn't to create a course. I think I saw the one you're talking about because it's like car. It looks like it's carved into like a beach or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I shared it with the group because Dan Levy or Dan Levy um, shared it. It was like, he was mesmerized. Right. And I was like, Tim, this is what you were talking about. (laughs) I get it. it. Yeah. Oh my God. It was so cool. We'll have to find sports like that. I guess. (laughs) I mean, that's it. I I wanted to tell Adam about it last night so he could um, write some betting propositions on that. But anyway, all right. So we're all missing it and stuff. All right. So we're going to move on to our question of the week. Jeffrey, you look so, so enthused. 
I'm sorry. I shouldn't. I know you're not feeling that great. Sorry. All right. So our question of the week uh, from a listener just like you. This is from Joshua Shelton. He wrote to us on our Facebook page. Dude, carry on. This is uncharted territory, and all the questions it raises would make for great content beyond your usual listening demo. I, for one, know and care nothing for hockey, but would be fascinated to hear general reflections on what this means for the sport, related economics, and most of all, fan culture. I think we are equipped to talk about that. So... Why don't we get into the project that Tim has been working about on the financial and economic considerations? Yeah. So um, I did some things. Some of the facts and figures were hard to find. And then it's funny, I was looking everywhere for these facts and figures. And then um, as I was compiling everything, um, Scott Burnside of the F- athletic had a huge article with all the facts and figures that I was looking for. (laughs) And I was just like, Oh, cool. There it is. (laughs) Well, at least you're crediting the source. So that's good. (laughs) Yeah. It was, um, uh, it was like, cause it's hard to get the facts and figures when you're not actually working within either the media or the industry itself, just because a lot of stuff is either not reported to the general public or is behind a giant paywall where it's like, pay, you know, $90 a month and get all this information. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. No, no, no. Um, I would not ask you to do that. So like, so of the stuff that I did find, uh, depending on the size of the, of the market and things of that nature, teams generate between 1.5 and $3 million in revenue per home date. Wow. Wow, that's a lot. So, yeah, it's it's quite a bit. And to kind of break it down even further, and these are based on average figures throughout the league, um, the average attendance in the NHL season is a little over uh, 17000 a game. And the average ticket price in the... NHL right now is $75.76. So on average, a team makes about $1.3 million in ticket revenue per regular season game. Of course, with playoffs, that number is obviously going to be higher because in theory, you're going to have a more packed uh, arena and prices go up in the playoffs as we know. Now, so if games are outright canceled, that's money that would have to be reimbursed. Likely, the only time that that money would be reimbursed would be probably uh, single game tickets. Uh, all the season tickets, generally, they're able to uh, give credit for for like the next season or something like that. That way, you're not necessarily reimbursing the money. You're just giving credit towards season tickets right which is a big part i think it's the majority of an nhl team's ticket base is season tickets now in terms of uh, food and beverage and things like that uh typically on average it says per capita spent 
on food and beverage is anywhere from five to twenty dollars. Mm. And numbers would be higher in different places, obviously, because concessions aren't obviously the same in each arena. So that's about eighty-five thousand to three hundred and fifty thousand per game, with the average being right around two hundred and fifteen. So that's in concessions. That's a decent chunk of change that you're making each game, and then on average for merchandise at the arena for each home game, it's about eighty-six thousand eight hundred and fifty dollars for for just merchandise. Okay. So that's again, that's another. It's another almost hundred thousand dollars in merchandise that you're losing. Parking. I know parking. Some places have the different. Prices for parking, how many spots they have available, things of that nature. On average, a team makes about $16,000 per game in parking. And then um, the final thing you kind of have to take into account is a few things. You have like the stadium or the arena's electric bill, any property property taxes they might incur, and sometimes buildings will have interest um, if the building was financed and things of that nature. But then you also have to pay your employees. And this is a big part of what I was trying to find as well is because how much would it really cost the Jacobs per game for the employees and things of that nature. So the NHL requires close to a, a thousand workers so ushers ticket takers security guards maintenance concessions for the game just for one game and with that a team can spend anywhere from a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand per game okay to pay the employees think about this jeremy jacobs worth 3.6 billion dollars they had what six home games left yep the most they would probably have to have spent was $1.2 million to pay their employees. Right. And, you know, of course, you know, on the revenue side, they were missing about $20 million, right? But still... Yeah. yeah. But but still, okay, we're talking about a very small fraction of that, and he's worth many, many times more money than what he would have had to have paid out to his employees for those games. Exactly. (sighs) <sighs> with the possible cancellation in this article um there was a gm that spoke about it in the article that's one of the sources and this gm was a part of a team that was in the playoff hunt and they said they would take a decent hit uh if everything was canceled but it wouldn't be backbreaking and that's kind of the biggest thing is it's all dependent on where you are a team like boston isn't going to be affected as much about with this whole thing as a team like say arizona would be or something along those lines because a team like arizona is going to take in less each game so they need as much as possible for each game to get so it would it, it depends on what it would be however i mean at the end of the day the Bruins are not going to hurt from this, generally speaking. It's not going to be something they won't make back tenfold eventually. And 
say they did play the playoffs, say they cancel this regular season, but play the playoffs. Bruins are obviously going to make the playoffs. I saw that with markups, with tickets, the GM said you can probably, you can get anywhere from a 20% to a hundred percent markup for the tickets. Oh yeah. The Bruins playoff tickets are already expensive. And then there's a lot of resale that happens. Season ticket holders don't go to every game. And they can't always go to every game, so they will sell off those tickets. I'll tell you, last year when we paid for our tickets to go to the first game of the the final, we paid a stupid amount of money. Not Super Bowl stupid money like we did for that, but a stupid amount of money for a ticket for a series. And it, you know what? I'm going to tell you, I enjoyed the fuck out of it. So I guess it was money well spent in that respect. But it's not something that your average fan could go do, I don't think. Yet they pack it. They pack the place. It's amazing. All right. So it sounds to me that it's just greed. It The people who aren't making money. Okay. So let's say the Bruins have to refund a bunch of tickets and they have to credit towards next season's uh, season ticket holders for next season, which is not much, you know, they're, so they're losing money per, for the six games that weren't played. But they're not reporting to shareholders. Yeah. The money is in the family and, and, and who is, you know, in the corporate structure. That's it. So you're telling me that you can't pay the 1.2 to $1.5 million just outright to the, to the, the people who are affected by this. I just, uh, it's, it's disheartening. It really is. But it's really interesting that sales, like, you know, the sales in the pro shop essentially cancel out the game day salaries. Exactly. The thing that's going to be most affected by this, as with everything, are not the actual NHL teams themselves. It's the further reaching economic impact of bars and restaurants and things of that nature that that really count on game days to bring in a lot of revenue for them. I know in the article, um, there was someone who owned a downtown bar in Pittsburgh, and he said that the 0405 lockout and then everything through in 2012 was awful for his business. He said like he had to he was scraping by the skin of his teeth in that, and it was cool that they got that aspect in the article of uh, how it could kind of affect the smaller business rather than the. Uh, team's business itself and like you said there are things that offset the game day salaries that they could do and with the jacobs they own the concessions they own the pro shop stadium and they own the team or the arena i should say and they own the team so whenever td garden hosts anything the jacobs are seeing a portion of that because they own the arena mm-hmm there's no reason on God's green earth that they shouldn't be paying those employees right now. No reason whatsoever, because it's yes, they're losing some revenue from the season. However, once everything's done and over with and the NHL season is over, they're still making money hand over fist because they're people are going to go to the arena for different events. And when they're at the arena for different events, they're probably going to have the pro shop open and guess what? They're going to see some revenue from the pro shop from sports fans that are going to this arena for other reasons, but see, oh, wow, 
I'm a fan of that team. Let me go check that out as well. Not to mention that he owns all the the storefront and put uh, and and property footage that the hub has now created. Uh, the hub on Causeway. So there's going to be so many other businesses that are paying rent to him or so on and so forth. So yes, we know that those revenue streams are, are kind of dried up right now, but he will make his money back so much more once things resume. So it's not a matter of him being becoming personally bankrupt. It just, it, it sucks. I hate it. But I you're right. I, we, we do have to consider the businesses that are around that. Now, thankfully, the... Where the, the, the garden is situated in town, you know, it's right near the north end, right? So there are plenty of places that you can go if you're going to a game. But there are also plenty of places that still get a steady stream of business or would get a steady stream of business, regardless if there's a game or not. Now, there are very sure. few restaurants that you can go to in that area of town and show up like an hour before the game and, and get something. Uh, I know one restaurant that we like to go to over on Portland Street, they, every day you go in there on a game day, they'll say, welcome Celtics fans, welcome Bruins fans, because they get a lot more business on those days. But I've gone to those those places without there being a game. They're just good, cozy places to be with good food and, and good servers and all that. So I feel bad for all of them. Because sometimes I'll go down there on a game day, but while the game's being played, so I'm not at the game, but I'm watching the game at the place, you know? So you miss out on that business too, because there's there's always before, during, and after game business for those places. So I feel really bad. Some of those places probably can do takeout, so that's good, you know? And there's something about Massachusetts now where you can actually get beer and wine from uh, places. They'll deliver that to you. So that's oh, good. Wow. So they're allowing that. Because I did, I think they did a temporary shutdown on liquor stores for a little bit. So the the licenses will hold up that you'll be able to do that. The economic impact is greater than just the team. But it's I'm glad that you did the stuff on the team because it's like basically team owners in most markets will be absolutely fine. By the way, Tim, do you happen to know which the smallest market is at this point? Uh, yes. Uh, it would be uh, the Panthers. I saw something in my notes. It was it was from last season. Um, how much revenue they a team said that they made over the course of a season last year? It was like operating income or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think the Panthers had operated at a net loss. Mm-hmm. Well. Strictly speaking, small market just refers to the the size of the market they're in, which is what which is a tie, roughly a tie between Winnipeg and Ottawa. That's different, but <laughs> but even even Ottawa <laughs> reported a three point six million dollar net revenue of last year. Um, Florida Pan Florida Panthers had a twenty one million dollar net loss last season. Wow. Coyotes had a 15 million loss, Columbus 13, Nashville 11. Really? Winnipeg was seven uh a loss of 7.7. The Islanders 3.5 and Anaheim 3.1. So those are all the teams that reported an operating income of a net loss. The Bruins were fifth on the list with uh, $62 million net revenue operating. Um, yep. Uh, 
number one was the Rangers. Really? Yeah, 123 million. Number two was Montreal with 106. Number three was Toronto with 101. And number four was Chicago with 69. So, so the rags are going to be artificially inflated relative to Montreal and Toronto because of the exchange rate. Oh, okay. In, ter- in terms of in local currency, Toronto and Montreal definitely blow the rags out of the water. Mm. Yes, you're okay. right. For an American team, the, the rags seem to be... They seem to have a lot of really loyal fans. Yeah. Yeah, they they do. And I mean, and if you look at it too, it's crazy that the Rangers had that much income where the Islanders had reported a negative. It's kind of interesting to see the different dynamics within the state, especially with the Kings too. Kings operated, reported a $54 million net income with Anaheim having a $3.1 million loss. Well, I think that has a lot to do with like, you know, the fate of the team at this point too. So although LA is terrible (laughs) and they've been terrible for a while. So that's just, well, I mean, LA does, you know, celebrity fan bases and shit, I guess. Huh? I don't know. The, The one that I found most interesting is Vegas because I know, Vegas, because Vegas is a new team, and yeah, there's the uh, the glitz and glamour of Vegas, so it's always going to draw people and things of that nature, and how they kind of put on the whole show and things of that nature. But they had a $33 million uh, net income from last season, so I found that interesting. Interesting, indeed, because that was only their second season. Exactly. Yeah, that's That's pretty cool. So... I think we've talked at great length about fans, uh, Boston fans, for sure. We've talked about how we're pretty appalled by the handling of the employee situation. So, you know, as far as fan culture, it's like, I think, you know, I think different people are in different spots about whether or not they want the team, want the league to continue play. Nobody can really agree on how they want playoff formats to happen as fans, I think we're all dying for hockey content and we'd rather have games, but we, we want to, uh, I mean, our, our lead thing to this, this week was we wanted to talk about Tuca's farts. We want anything that we can get at this point. So obviously we'll, we'll watch if they start, start up again. I personally believe that they should just start up with the playoffs, figure that out. People who have to figure that out. I just, I'm done with the regular season. I've been done with the regular season since February. That's how I am. You know, one that we've been dancing around is today was supposed to be game 82. Ah, today was game 82. I wasn't sure if it was yesterday or if it was today. Okay. Yeah. They would have played St. Louis today, right? Uh, I believe so. Let's, uh... Yeah, so... Yeah, it would have been here, I think. No, no, say it would have been Carolina. No, sorry, not today, yesterday, my bad. Carolina yesterday would have been game 82 for Boston. Oh, okay. St. Louis, St. Louis would have been Thursday. Okay, all right, well. Which means that the playoffs should have been starting probably Wednesday or Thursday this coming week. Ah, uh, I miss my early April adrenaline boost. 
All I was going to say is, like, we're getting robbed from a first round, and the first round is fucking chaos, right? Like, like because nothing makes sense that happens in the first round of the playoffs, and we're not going to get to watch that because fucking COVID. God damn it. <laughs> I know. I know. But this year, we wouldn't have played Toronto for the first time in I don't know how long. Toronto may actually play into June this year. Who knows? Yeah, so uh, Dominic um, uh, Lichichin's um, uh, proje- um, projections. He's been sim- he's been simming the rest of the, of the season. He, he released his official uh, playoff matchups this morning based on his simmed season, and it would have been a first round against the Canes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. we could have done that. Oh yeah, for sure. And like you know, just just let Tampa and Toronto grind each other to dust. Yeah. In the first round. Yes, yes, that's what I like to do. I like to watch that happen. Would have, yeah. All right, playing against Carolina. I could get behind that. Uh, yeah, I think I could too. I think the only reason why I don't want to play the playoffs right away and have like maybe a two-game warm-up is just for that, the warm-up. They've been, they haven't played in so long. I feel like I'd rather let them play like two games and just get everything get their legs back under them and then like play the playoffs. Oh, they're definitely going to have to have like a mini camp and do something like that to get guys back into blank shape. I just, I do want to just do playoffs. I'm so ready for playoffs. I'm, I'm just, I love playoffs. Playoffs are fun. Playoffs are goofy and wild and overtime games are no longer just five minutes into overtime, sudden death. It's like, you know, it's a, regular 20 minute period it's and it's sudden death and uh it just i mean i've been so distracted in the past where i was like taking a class and i was like sorry i gotta go home right now because i need to watch the playoffs it wasn't even the bruins playing i just needed to go (laughs) so i i miss that i mean i think as fans we're all still going to be there trying to sort out all of this stuff but i i just i feel like especially like all right, you've got two teams that play in the New York area. You've got a, a team that plays in Boston. Both of those areas are being hit pretty hard. New York obviously being hit much worse. And New Jersey, oh my God, New Jersey is becoming a state that's just like inflated in numbers with the uh, with, uh, positive cases. So I find it really hard. And, and we don't even know what's going to happen with Florida. So I, I find it really hard to, to figure out how we're going to do a... a um, anything in the next month or so. I hope they don't cancel the season because I feel like this is the chance for the Bruins. And Here's the thing is right now, at least in Canada, they're talking quite in clean terms here right now that uh, the optimistic timeline is June 1st. Okay. The probable timeline is July. Is July. Mm. Wow. It sounds like those players had their, their heads on their shoulders that, Wanted to play in July anyway, right? Mm. Nobody but see, see, that's the that's what they're they're saying in general about you know about social distancing and 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 and, and shelter in place orders and stuff is like these are the timelines we're likely looking at here. Well, yeah, because um, here in the states we've had nothing uniform at all, so there are going to be like continued outbreaks in other places that didn't get their shit together. Yeah, because right now ours is still April thirtieth. In the town next to ours, there are 112 cases, positive cases. I just found that out this morning. I'm no longer going to that town. And uh, they did the good thing of canceling 
well, canceling volunteers for Meals on Wheels here in in my county, in my area, because they would rather not have people infect older people. So what they're doing is they're 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 kind of modifying how they deliver meals and they're delivering meals like once or twice a week and just making them available so that people can put them in their freezers or fridges and, and heat them up because we don't want to infect a very uh, compromised population. Right. So it's like, I, I feel like, you know, Massachusetts maybe didn't act the fastest, but we, we acted pretty quickly because we've been under this order for three weeks now. But it's like not all areas have been doing this. And it's because of that, you know, we're going to have multiple curves instead of one curve up. And it's it's frightening for everybody. And it's also just it's annoying because we have to go through this for longer. So, you know, this this really affects so many different things and it just sucks. Yeah, I mean, I think we pretty much hit everything there uh, on that question. Anybody else have anything to add on it? All right. Well, thank you, Joshua Shelton. Uh, next week, we'll read another question and answer that from another listener. You know, you can still send in questions that you would like us to answer. We could even answer a couple of questions, uh, uh, an episode, because, you know, there's so much news out there right now on, in the hockey world with no hockey being played. So yes, continue to send them. We have we have a few more to go through, but you know, we can always use more. So I think if we don't have anything else, it's time to do the thing, Jeff. Yep. Okay. Well, listeners, you've been listening to Barely on Topic. Uh, you can found, find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Hi, Tuka. Um, if you like us. Uh, rate us some stars, write a review, tell all your friends, and uh, then you can follow us on uh, on Twitter. That's, of course, at Barely On Topic, or on Facebook at Barely On Topic Podcast. And then, of course, there's always our individual Twitter accounts. No, the cat's not paying attention, VA. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my Twitter, my, I, I, of course, can find me at, at Dr. Hand Grenade. I am at Tim A. Richardson. And I am at No, the cat's not paying attention to you, VA. <laughs> 